lesson starting in verses 1 through 2. 1 through 2. And if let me just refresh what we went over last week. I was excited last week, and I'm sorry for preaching so long, but it's very exciting to talk about the grace of God. It's very exciting to know that I cannot be good enough to make it to heaven because I'm a horrible person. And there's nothing that I can do that's going to get me to heaven. And so no matter the great things that maybe you've done, you will not get to heaven except through faith. And it's by that faith in Jesus, the grace of God. And it's what we say, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's how, that's what Hal Lindsey came up with. That's not mine, so I'll give him all credit for that. And we, we also understand that we talk about working our way to heaven, and in America we like to talk about religion a lot. Well, I'm religious. Well, the religious man never gets to heaven because it doesn't matter how religious you are. It matters how much grace that Jesus has for you. And he has every bit of that grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. He has all of that ready for you because we cannot reconcile ourselves with God. It, only through the grace that is in Jesus can we be accepted into the kingdom. And, and that's something that's great. And that's what I try to say. You know, we, we always uh, we use this incorrect terminology in the church, ask Jesus into your heart. It's not in the scriptures anywhere. And there's nowhere that you can find to ask him into your heart. As a matter of fact, the heart is what we use because it's the sea of emotion. And I've said before, you know, in the Old Testament, the sea of emotion was the bowels. So I don't know if we'd want to ask Jesus into our bowels, right? You know, that would be a little bit weird. But we don't ask Jesus into our heart. We accept what he's done. We accept the grace that he has given us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Let's start there. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the first word he uses there is therefore. And therefore is going to link us to the upcoming passages or statements that are going to be made for, to, in, in those that preceded it. So he's saying, he says there, so therefore, since we've been justified by faith, it's like he's reiterating the fact, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And some, a lot of people will read this, this passage and they say, oh, I've got peace. No, it says peace with God. There's a little bit difference than peace. You know, uh, many of us have children or we have grandchildren that we take care of. And that time that, the, that they leave the house and you're the only one there and you go, oh, it is so peaceful. It is so peaceful. The kids are gone for a few minutes. I can relax. I can clean. I can do whatever I need to do, read my book. It's so peaceful. Well, this is different. This is different. He says, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, before we have been justified by faith, before that grace has been poured out and we have accepted it, we are under the wrath of God. The wrath, and I'm going to tell you something. You don't want to be under the wrath of God. That's what Jesus, he became the propitiation. He became the one that took the wrath of God on him so that you didn't have to have that on you. So when we, when we have peace with God, no longer do we have to worry about the wrath of God. What you deserve and I deserve, we all deserve it. Remember, grace is a free gift given to us. It's free. You can't, you can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can't do any of that. It is given to us freely. As a matter of fact, if we don't accept it freely, 
then have you ever given somebody a gift before and they're like, oh, how much do I owe you? You know, let, let me ask you something. Wives in here who, who got an engagement ring, that's a gift, right? If your husband at the time gave you an engagement ring, says, will you marry me? Sure, give you well, how much do I owe you? I think he'd be a little bit offended by that, don't you? He'd be able to be going, excuse me? Well, what are you going to pay me for? Well, you know, think about this. Jesus died freely. He gave up his, he knew what was going to happen. And when we want to turn around and we want to try to do something for that, are we not doing the same thing saying, here, let me, let me give you something for what you did? He's like, no, I did it so that you could have it freely. Now, I want to say something. I don't want you to take this wrong because James talks about this. If you're living the faith that is in Christ Jesus, then the works will follow. What you, what, people are going to see you by how you live. They're going to watch you, and they're going to be going, why is this person smiling every time they walk into work? I've got to ask him a question. Why are you smiling every time you walk into work? Why are you so happy? Why, why, why? why? And you're going to say, because, man, you know, let me tell you something. Jesus did something amazing in my life. He changed me. I was a horrible person. They go, you were? Were you in jail? No, I wasn't in jail. Were you? No, no. Listen, I was, I was born a bad person. That's something that we have, have got away from in America. We don't understand that we have all been born bad. We've all been born sinful. We've all been born dirty. There's nothing about us that's clean. And then we get the grace of Christ. We get the grace the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We get that because of what he did on the cross. And we have that opportunity to do that. Or maybe, I mean, you know, I drive people all around, right? And, and those opportunities arise where you're just driving and, and people are like, so, so, you know, what do you do? Well, I do this. Well, is there anything else you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And, you know, well, why are you a pastor? I told you a, a story about this young lady who lost her, her, her son in December, it's, we're driving along for 20 minutes. She falls asleep in my car. She says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to fall asleep in your car. I was just taking her home from, from work across town. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I just got a lot on my mind. I got to talking to her and find out that, that uh, her son had, had uh, died five months old in December, had died. And this had been just a few weeks later. And I just continued just to, to talk to her and work, you know, just work through it with her and, and listen to her. And I says, you know, and this is what I said to her. I said, you know, I just love working with people. I just, I love working with people who are going through problems. And she goes, what do you do? I says, I'm a pastor. I didn't tell her that before. She, then she goes, I knew something was different. When I got in this car, I felt something totally different than any car I've ever got in before. When you are serving God, when you have that grace on you, God will start letting those things come out. And, and, and the, you know, you say, well, but what, was that you didn't do anything specific? No, I just was living my life for Christ and giving God an opportunity. And then this lady gets touched by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was there for her that day. Still remember her name. Her name was Biblia. And, and just I pray for her every once in a while that God will, will reach her because she doesn't know Jesus. She didn't even know why she was named Biblia, why her mom and dad. She knew what the word meant, but she just didn't know why she was named that. So we have been justified by faith faith we now have peace with god so everybody can go home and relax this afternoon if you have christ in your life if you have that grace on, on top of you god is not up there with a baseball bat ready to beat you over the head and too many people too many pastors too many churches have taught that if we do something wrong god's ready to beat us down for doing something wrong well, let me tell you something you think that you disappoint god you can't disappoint god you go oh wait a minute 
I can't disappoint you. You can't disappoint God. He already knows you're going to make mistakes. He already knows you're going to mess up. He already knows that. I'm not saying go make mistakes and mess up. We don't, you know, but we, we, we try to humanize God so much for us, right? We got to know that he's the king of kings and Lord of lords. He knows what's coming. He knows what's past. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. You can't disappoint God. So don't go around cowering around, oh my goodness, I just did something wrong. Instead, go to the Father and say, God, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I did something wrong. I'm sorry. Help me, Lord. What can I do? Help me. Help me to study more. Help me to pray more. Help me to get closer to you, Lord, so I don't do this again. Help me do that. So we know that we have peace with God. And it says, through whom, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have that access by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You have faith in an almighty God and that faith in Jesus gives us that grace by which we no longer live under the wrath that should be poured out on us because we are sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Remember that we all fall short. We, remember what the scripture says? Technically, it says we are continually falling short of the glory of God. We continue to fall short of the glory of God. So through Jesus, we have this faith. And he says, and rejoice. So we, we have all this through whom we ha- also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, 7 through 9 says this. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. We can't boast because it's not of works. Remember, you didn't pay for it. You didn't pay for it. We just accept it. We just accept it, and we have that as it says there in verse 2, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have that hope. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says this, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. All right. There is a movement in America, has been going on for a long time, that if you're a Christian, that you're not going to have bad things happen to you. That if you're a Christian, everything's going to be perfect. That if you're a Christian, you can just say, I speak it and it happens. I think that uh, one of the smartest men that we've ever seen, most intelligent men that we've ever seen is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul went through his own tribulation. He said, he said man, I've got, a, I've got a problem. I've got a thorn in my side. I've got something that's bothering me. And, and what we believe and what scholars really believe that that is, is that he had bad eyesight because of some of the things that he said. His majority of scholars believe that what Paul was talking about is he had bad eyesight to the point that everybody knew he had bad, bad eyesight. Now here's Paul who's praying for people, seeing people get healed, seeing people get touched, seeing them get baptized in the Holy Spirit, seeing all these great things happen, and Paul himself is having this issue. He has issues. It's not perfect. So would you go out there and you hear somebody start teaching those things? Listen, I believe God can heal. 
I believe God can do whatever he wants to do. I believe that we have a God that makes the impossible possible. He makes the impossible possible. But we have to understand sometimes we're going to have some things in our life that aren't perfect, and we instead, we need to do what Paul says. He says, but we also glory. We, we thank you, God. Thank you for what we're going through. We glory knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Another word for perseverance here is patience. Tribulation. Oh, I don't want to go through this. This was a difficult situation. I don't want to go through this. Why am I going through this? Well, maybe the Lord is helping you, preparing you to help somebody else for what you're going through. So we need to glory in that. Maybe the Lord is getting us closer to him through that. If we look at the church in China, and we look at the church in North Korea, and there's some, been some great stuff coming out of North Korea this week, but let me tell you something. Be forewarned. Just because it sounds good, they've talked like this a number of times in the past. I still, we still should pray that, that North Korea opens up and we can get in there with even more gospel. And I've probably told this story before, but remember this. I want to throw this in here since we're talking about North Korea a second. There's a man who, who would go through the DMZ and he would get over the demilitarized zone. and He would, he would get through all the guards, everything he needed to, and he would sneak across into China. China's a little bit more open than North Korea is to the, to the gospel. Not much, but a little bit more. He, get, he gets a Bible, and he goes back home. He does this one time a year, risk his life one time a year. He buries a hole in the backyard, and he wraps this Bible up so it won't get any moisture or anything, and he buries the Bible. And for the, the last time, that, this was a couple of years ago when, when he was being interviewed, this was his seventh time to do it. So he had seven Bibles going to be buried in his backyard and they said when are you going to give the bibles away he says i'm not ready to die yet how would you like that i got a bible right here i got a bible on that phone you may have a real you know we got a bible in, in connie's hand over here we, we've got real bibles and we don't even think about it we just come here right we just come to church we just bring our bible we read our bible we talk to people about it no matter where we are we talk to people about it but in North Korea, he's saying, I can't, I'm not going to do it until I'm ready to die. Because I know as soon as I give these Bibles out, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to be told, told on, and this is going to happen. He's going through tribulation. He's going through everything just to get one Bible a year over there. Because he wants to be able to share the gospel of Christ. But he doesn't sit there and go, oh man, so I, I don't want to go through this tribulation anymore. I'm going to stay in China. I can, you know, I can hole up here in China. At least it's a little bit better. We've got an underground church that's a lot more active than we do in North Korea. And do you understand in China now, in, in the big cities in China, the, there are churches. But when you get out into the farm areas of China, it's not so much, it's, there's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of persecution towards Christians. And we come in and we preach this Americanized gospel that I can have everything I need when I need it, when I want it, da-da-da-da, you know. I'm going to be glorified and blessed, and I'm going to have all the money in the world, and I'm going to live here, and I'm going to do this. And that's not what the Scripture says. He says that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. You know, God will make you rich if you need to be rich. That's what he's going to do. He will make you rich if you need to be rich because he knows what you can do. And I say, God, don't make me too rich. 
Because you said it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through an eye of a needle. So God, don't get me too rich because I definitely want to get to heaven. And there are so many people who, especially in America, we've got to the point where we just glory in our riches. We just bask in our riches. And you know what? You can't ever have enough money. It, you think, oh man, if I could just make another $15,000 a year. Well, when you start making that $15,000, you're like, man, you know, if I could just make another $15,000. If I could just make another $5,000. You can't ever have enough money. Now, I'm not saying don't go out and make money. I'm not saying don't, that, that God can't make you successful in the, in the eyes of the world. I'm not saying that at all. I think that we should be smart with our money, and we should do great things for the Lord with that. Let God bless us so that we can bless him back, okay? I'm not against that, so don't give me. Hey, if you're a millionaire in this place this morning, praise God. All I say is make sure you're using your resources to glorify God in everything that you have. So, tribulation produces perseverance, and then perseverance produces character. Perseverance produces character. Why am I going through this? When you come out on the other side, it builds character. Because if you're really trusting in God through these situations, through these trials, through these tribulations, when you come out the other side, you're going to be able to say, hey, I've, went, I've been through that. I made, to, I made it out. Thanks to God, I made it out, and I, now I'm closer to him. My character is being built up. Now people want to talk to you, and you have an opportunity to talk to that person. And I'm not saying that, you, here's the thing. There's this idea out there that, that, is, that, is being, that is being spoken from a pulpit that if, sin, if you're sinning, then things are bad are going to happen to you. Well, the Apostle Paul was stoned many, many times, and it wasn't because he was sinning. They didn't go, oh man, you're sinning, we're going to stone you. No, it's because... He was living for Christ. He was sharing the gospel of Christ. The apostle Peter was crucified. Why? Was it because he was sitting? No, it wasn't because he was sitting. The apostle John was, was, uh, was, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Was it because he was a sinner? No, it was because he was living for the Lord. So let's don't get this, this idea in our head that, that we're, something bad's happening to us because we're doing something wrong. You may be doing something totally right. So begin to rejoice in it. Rejoice when you go through various trials and tribulations. That's what the scripture says. Rejoice. So begin to rejoice in that. Understanding that these will produce perseverance. They will build our character and our character hope. And we know where's the hope come from? Our hope is in one person. It is in Jesus. Our hope is in one person. And you know what? I think Will has told me the best when he said, he's, uh, and I think you'd be fine me saying this. You know, Will was a very successful businessman, but he made some changes because he saw his business and his success getting in between his relationship with God. And in that, some, you know, other things have happened, and what he had before he doesn't have now, and he's had to, you know, do a few extra things. But you know what? It's building his character. It's building his character. And why? Because he has hope in Jesus, and he knows, where, he knows that's what he wants to focus on. I want Jesus. He said, I want Jesus to be number one in my life and be number one in my family, and I want to serve him and live for him. And I don't care about the rest of it. I don't care about the rest of it. That's the attitude that we need to have. Yes, praise God. Now, hope does not disappoint. This hope we have in Jesus, it does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given 
to us. It is amazing. I think we, we totally missed that. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, when they sit in that upper room for 10 days, and they, they started out with probably a lot more people than they ended up with at the end. But you gotta, you got to see, what does the Holy Spirit do in our life? See, he says the Holy Spirit was given to us. This, this hope is in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit takes a bumbling, foot-and-mouth disease type of guy, right? That's what Peter had. He had foot-and-mouth disease. He was always saying stupid stuff. He was always getting in trouble. He had been hanging out with Jesus, and then they're going to come take Jesus. And so what does he do? He pulls a sword out and chops the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, whoa, stop, stop. <laughs> I don't want to put this guy's head back on, okay? Let me just put his ear back on. That would be a little bit easier. But Peter took that guy, and after the Holy Spirit had come on, had come and baptized him and, and just empowered him. What is Acts 1 8? It says it's there to empower us to be witnesses. Not so that we can be better or greater or stronger, so, no, so we can be witnesses. That's the, the reason we have the Holy Spirit. And Peter steps out and he is able to speak. And over 3,000 people had come to Christ that day. And then when you keep on reading, what does it say? It says, and they were adding to the kingdom daily. They were adding to the church daily. And it all started with this guy who denied Christ three different times while he's hanging up on, while he's, while he's going to the cross. Denied, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this, no. He even curses at one point. Hey, if you think you've done something bad, God took Peter, who had cursed, at the whole thought, at just lying. No, I don't know who Jesus is. And God took him and made him the face of the church. What did Jesus say? Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. He took Peter, and that day, over 3,000 people were saved. So don't you look at yourself and say, I'm not good enough. I can never be good enough. I can't do this. No, say, you know what? I've went through a few things, and I've made some stupid mistakes. Let me tell you something. If, if you don't know, I've made some stupid mistakes. All right? I've told you before. A pastor is just a human being. They're nobody special. They've been called by God, but you've been called by God. I like what Jay says. Every one of us is called to full-time ministry. What that looks like in your life may be different than the next person. What it looks like for me is to be a pastor. All right, what it looks like for you, it may be that you're ministering the gospel through your work. You're ministering the gospel into your family. You're ministering the gospel into the relationships that are around you, your friends, your neighbors. But we're all called into that ministry. So you're going to, you, when you go through a bad time, if you're going through it right now, say, thank you, Lord, that you've chosen me. Isn't that hard? You said, we glory in the tribulation. It's, thank you, Lord. You've chosen me. You thought I was that good, God. You thought I was good enough to make it. You thought I was good enough to, to overcome this tribulation and to make it through this tribulation. Thank you, God. I appreciate that. I glorify in you because you had enough faith in me that I could do this. Right. We live in a fallen world. I want to read some quotes to you from some people who gave it all, who gave it all. David Livingston, a couple of quotes from David Livingston. He, is a, he was a missionary, and he went to Africa. David Livingston is the person that they attribute the, the, all the roads and the mapping systems of Africa because of David Livingston. All right? He's out there in... in I couldn't, I'd be all day trying to tell his whole story. But he died without a tooth in his mouth. He, his, his wife, 
his wife, he didn't hardly get to know his wife. He had some children with her, but by the time they get to know each other, she gets sick and she dies. So here's what David Livingston says. He gave, he gave his life for the ministry. He says, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. And sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. Can you say that today? Here's something else he said. If you have men who will only come to Africa, if you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, if the only reason they'll come is because they know there's a good road, I don't want them. This, here's a guy who needs need some help. I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. Are we willing to do that? I've said this, and I'll say it again. I'd rather have a church of 50 people with 50 people going to heaven than a church of 5,000 with 50 people going to heaven. Church is not for us to go sit around in as sinners and just do whatever we want to and say, oh, we went to church Sunday morning. Church is a family. It is a body. It is the body of Christ. It is the family of God. And you go, oh, there's some old terms. Well, they're scriptural terms, okay? They're in the Bible, so, so we'll, we'll use them. It is a family. So we need to not think about, oh, how many, pew, how many seats are filled up? We need to say, how many seats in heaven are filled up? How many places around the throne of God have been taken because I've led somebody else to Christ? Gladys Elward said, now Gladys Elward, a, a missionary to China, little lady, probably about the size of Connie over here. She might have been smaller than Connie. But she was a small lady, and she is a missionary in China. She goes to China in, in the weirdest way. In the, there's no way for her to get there. Nobody supports her. I mean, only men are supposed to be on the mission field, or you could be married to a missionary and go that way. But in a long story short, she gets there. Very difficult, gets there. It, it, she didn't take a plane. She didn't take a boat. She did not the kind we think of. I mean, she had a lot of things that, go, that went wrong, a lot of tribulation that she had to go through there to get to China. And then she gets to China, and the person she's supposed to see is not where she's supposed to be. And in the process, she finally finds this person. She ends up living her life out in China. She comes back to the United, uh, United Britain, not United States, she's in Britain. She comes back, and her parents don't even recognize her because she looks as old as they do because of what they went through, what she went through. But she saved so many lives. There, is a, there was a thing called foot binding that the Chinese did, and you, you go look it up. When you go home today, go look up foot binding, in China. It's a very horrible practice that the women had to go through, and it twisted their feet as they grew up, and she was able to get them to stop doing that, and it's a long story, so I won't go into all that, but this is, this is what she said. Life is pitiful. Death so familiar. Suffering and pain so common, yet I would not be anywhere else. Do not wish me out of this. Or in any way seek to get me out. For I will not be got out while this trial is on. These are my people. God has given them to me. And I will live or die with, for him and his glory. I will live and die for him and his glory. He says, don't get me out of here. Don't get me out of here. There's a missionary that I know, a young missionary, and he, he was, he, him and his wife was on the field for about three years, and he comes back, and I was listening to him talk. He said, yeah, we came back. And here's why we came back, because we were afraid we were going to get killed. 
we're afraid we're going to lose our lives. And I was like going, wait a minute. Did God call you there? I didn't go ask the guy this. Are we willing, are we willing to give everything that we have to the Lord and let him decide what happens with it, or are we going to hold it into ourselves? And you've heard this one. Jim Elliott, missionary. He didn't, get to, he didn't get to preach as long as he thought he was going to in this world, but he has preached since his death. He was killed at the hands of a, of a very uh, dangerous tribe, but, to this, but this day the tribe is, is saved because of what he did. You've probably seen the end of the spear. Um, a couple of movies made about Jim and his family. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Are you willing? Are you willing to be like Jim Elliott or Gladys Selward or David Livingston? Are you willing to glory in the tribulation and understand that when you go through these things, that it's going to build perseverance, and perseverance is going to build great character, and great character through the hope that is in Jesus, and we're going to know that hope better, and we can give that to people. We can help people understand that hope. That's where we need to be looking. Let's stop listening. Let's stop listening to the American the American dream of a church, and let's start listening to God's dream of what he wants the church to be. That's what we need to be doing, okay, everybody? Praise God. Let's pray. Let's pray this morning. God, I just thank you for this group of people that you have brought into this place this morning. Lord, and every one of them are going through their own situation. Maybe they're going through a trial this morning, and they don't want to really hear that I need to be going through this trial. I need to glorify God in it, and I need to glory. Just give God glory in this trial. But Lord, this tribulation, Lord, it's going to build perseverance. Lord, it's going to build that patience up in them. It's going to help them to understand. So God, I just pray that you will just help them and give them the strength and the understanding to get through this. In Jesus' name, amen.